This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we preview the Bates baseball season. Plus, the women's track and field team put together a big-time performance in the distance medley relay, and the women's basketball team ended the season on a high note. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The women's and men's basketball teams wrapped up their seasons this past week. The women defeated Husson 68-44 on Tuesday behind 16 points from senior captain Erica Lemire. Then they fell to Trinity on Friday before bouncing back to defeat the University of Southern Maine 70-49 on Monday. Bates finishes the season with a 12-12 record, the most wins for the program since the 2012-13 season. Lemire, the team's lone senior, scored 13 points in her final game as a Bobcat. After the win, she joined the live broadcast. It feels very good and it just means a lot that we were able to cap this season off so well and to do it at home where we just spend every day just means the world, so it feels pretty good. <laughs> and they gave you obviously the green light to shoot as usual, 13 points. Uh, you know, after that first three went down, it seemed like you really got into rhythm, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I told my team, I was like, in the fourth quarter, if I'm getting the ball, I'm shooting it. So they were behind that, and um, just glad they went in. For those who don't know, Erica missed most of her sophomore and junior years with injuries, and this senior year, such a breakthrough for you. Um, describe what your thoughts are on this season, if you can, just in a, maybe a, you know, a few words if possible on what this means to you to have such a breakthrough senior year. Absolutely. I mean, it just means so much to be able to have this year with the group that we have. Um, every single girl on this team has worked so hard to get this program to where it is today. And to be able to spend my senior healthy year with these girls on this team and do what we've and accomplish what we've accomplished in these in these four years just just means the world to me and I was just so happy that I was able to be healthy for it. The men's basketball team defeated UMaine Farmington 73 to 65 on Tuesday. Then the Bobcats nearly knocked off Trinity on the road Friday, falling short by a count of 76 to 73. On Monday, Bates wrapped up its season with a nail-biter against Southern Maine, with the Huskies pulling out a 78-72 win over the Bobcats. Senior captain Nick Lynch had a big week for Bates, recording a double-double against the Beavers, a game-high 20 points at Trinity, and another double-double plus a career-high 16 rebounds in the season finale against the Huskies. And Nick Lynch is our male Bobcat of the week. Just had your final game of your career. We're talking on Tuesday. Yesterday, has it sunk in yet? I mean, like, what's going through your mind right now? Kind of, like, you know, you know, you're moving on to you know, graduation and then the real world after that. Um, I don't know if it'll ever sink in, to be honest. I'll probably always think I'm kind of off-season, but um, <laughs> that's something I'm going to have to tackle soon, I guess. Do you see yourself, you know, playing basketball? I know you have a job going up in New York, but you know, playing basketball like in, in the community and whatnot a little bit. Oh, absolutely. I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm an insanely competitive person, so I'm sure I'll find something that I can get my back behind. You love pickup games and stuff like that. Absolutely. Excellent. So, I mean, you came in here as a first year. You know, the Del Pesh twins were kind of established even when you were arriving on campus. Um, how have you seen yourself develop as a player from you know? your first season to now? Um, totally. So I kind of came in and Del Pesh twins were more of post-game, um, definitely more established general, uh, I'd say historic bigs. Um, also, actually, my brother more played like that as well. So I kind of took the other route where I kind of more off-post, kind of short corner, 
mid-range jump shot and kind of get my baskets there as opposed to kind of going through people. And obviously the NESCAC has some incredible size, so it gets really difficult. And I'm not undersized big, but I'm not exactly oversized. So when you're playing some of these bigger teams with seven footers, my post game is really, really tough. So it's um, so I kind of try to take the more, try and go out athleticism them, try and really go around there, out jump shot them. And I think I've seen some success in it over time. What was it like battling through those injuries, you know, into your first year and then missing most of your sophomore season? Um, that's definitely tough. And I obviously, I missed the end of freshman year and then the whole sophomore year. So that was, that was definitely a battle. And you never really see the light at the end of the tunnel. But, I mean, it was all worth it junior year, senior year. It was, it was an amazing experience. We had a big man come in this year, Kenny Aruajoy, his first year on campus. Have you been talking with him? A little bit different style game than maybe than you, but he's probably going to have to start at center next season with you graduating. Yeah, Kenny has some big shoes to fill in. That was a lot of, lot of role, lot to take on, yeah. a lot of minutes to be played for him. Uh, yeah, he plays more of the traditional big role, but he's an amazing rebounder, amazing defensively. I think if he keeps developing his offensive end, his post game can be a great player. One thing I noticed in Monday's game is you and him were on the court at the same time. I hadn't seen that before, at least at home games. How did that kind of go? Actually, yeah. So I ended up telling uh, Coach Furbish at one point, he used to play at the top of the one three one in high school. And um, he basically just said, and out of nowhere, he kind of said, yeah, be ready for that. Yeah. And never used it. And then Trinity actually put me on the top. And it actually had a little bit of success there because just two, um, two big guys who can really rebound well. So Kenny, obviously, amazing rebounder. So, and then me running in with basically no one to box out, just a free run at the hoop, so you're able to get a lot more rebounds. So it really was kind of a make sure you can get the board, secure it, and go. Um, I, I like to think my length disturbs people up there, too. I give a lot of credit to the guys who play it all the time, like Brandon Cody. Yeah. Um, it's the tire, most tiring position by far. You're basically just running back and forth, jumping, and just trying to disrupt the ball in any way you can. And two minutes of that is like 30 minutes of sprints. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. You had a career high, 16 rebounds yesterday also. I mean, going out on top sort of with that at least in terms of the rebounding amount. Yeah, no, that definitely helps. Um, I think I think facing some of these NESCAC teams, which obviously go after the boards and are a little bigger, uh, getting some of the boards secured gets you in the right mindset to get some of these big boards. Earlier in the week, I noticed you know you had those two emphatic dunks against Maine Farmers that seemed to really set the tone. How much do the non-conference games help build you, get you ready for the NESCAC games in terms of maybe, I don't know, building up in terms of your game, what you're doing? Um, I like to think the NESCAC games are kind of their own little thing. Uh -huh. um, meaning, like, there's nothing like a NESCAC game, in my opinion. You can play a non-conference game, but the NESCACs, it's just so much chippier. It's, it's, you know, there's so much at stake that everyone's kind of really taken the low. Like, in a NESCAC game, I like to think that people are not soft with you. They're going to hack you. They're going to go at you as hard as they can. And in a non-conference game, I think it's more of, um, people are trying to get better and trying to win the game, but I think it's less chippy, it's less intense. So I think there's nothing that really prepares you for NESCAC games like NESCAC games. <laughs> Makes sense, right, yeah. So, you know, you're, you're graduating, you're heading to New York City next year. I mean, I assume you're going to be paying close attention, though, to the program next season to see where it goes, kind of, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think they can find a lot of success. They have some amazing guys returning, all those guards, Kenny, Snotty, anyone that's really – I mean, they have some really players off the bench. People are just working so hard. And I think they're just going to find success the way they need to. I think they'll be good. I feel like, yeah, Snotty, he missed the you know, last part of the season because of mono and everything. But it seems like he really flashed some really great potential. That one pass he had to you, the wraparound pass he had was pretty amazing. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. The guy has a lot of potential. He came in right from the start and, and helped us. I, I wish we really had him for the NESCAC play. But um, obviously, he'll be back. Well, Nick Lynch, any other thoughts on your career here at Bates and what it's meant to you? 
Um, I mean, unbelievable experience. I, I think I'd just thank you to Coach Furbush for taking a chance on me and getting me here. I mean, the seniors are basically family now, Eli, Brandon, Hummel, all those guys, anyone ever played with. So, I mean, unbelievable experience. Recommend it to anyone. The Bates program's amazing. The alumni network's amazing. They do so much for you on and off the court. So, just unbelievable experience. Thanks to everyone who was a part of it. And thank you as well. All right, excellent. Nick Lynch, Mail Bob Cat of the Week. Appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate everything. The women's squash team finished sixth at the NESCAC Championships over the weekend. A trio of Bobcats went undefeated over the course of four matches, with junior Lutza Polgar winning all her matches at the number one position. She is our female Bobcat of the week, but is off campus right now. So we sat down with the Bobcats head coach, Pat Koska, to recap NESCACs for the women and look forward to team nationals for the men this weekend at Yale. Yeah, Lutza's a warrior. She's a, she's a real Bobcat. She, um, she shows up every day and plays with passion and conviction and um, she's just really tough to beat I mean she's on she's on the level of, of some of the greats that we've ever had here it's it's really great to watch her really blossoming this year as a as a leader and as the number one player just uh, you know it's really great and really proud of her yeah this year her only losses are to um, number one at Trinity and the number one really good one number one from Mount Holyoke right. where does she rank kind of in the country right now like she's like really on a roll at the moment it's yeah nice. it's really up to her to yeah. be honest um, she you know, we've talked a lot over the past couple of years about, um, you know, how far she wants to go. Does she want to be an All-American? And I think this might be the year that she can push up there. Um, as you said, Aaron, the two losses are are um, probably to two, you know, first team, maybe second team All-Americans. So, um, and they were tight too. I mean, the Trinity woman that she played here on the, on the glass court, I think, uh, you know, she was probably five or six points away there, um, even though it was a 3-0. And, um, and the Mount Holyoke kid as well. I mean, first year from uh, Sri Lanka, I think. I mean, just just a really tough player. And Lutza gave her all that she could handle. And so, yeah, I, I think she could, you know, if she really pushes at individuals down at Brown in a few weeks, um, she could be an All-American, no question. Will she be one of the other divisions? Or if you win it, you get the All-American status? I think so, yeah. yeah the, we have a um, the top flight is 16. So I don't think she's there um, in the ratings or rankings at this point, but um, but no, definitely. I mean, she was close last year even too. I mean, she, she had some really tough matches at, at GW down in DC and um, she knows it, you know, she, I think it just takes a little bit, a little bit more work over the next couple weeks. And, um, you know, she definitely has the, the dedication and desire. I think it's tightening up just a little bit, uh, her game and, um, you know, and, and really just believing that she can do it. I mean, she I think she's there this year, and we'll see. And, and if not, next year is going to be a, a great year as well. So, um, you know, I'm just really proud of her. She's she's done some really great things. Yeah, and your match against Middlebury, I believe she was down two games to one and rallied to win it. Yeah, she the her opponent for Middlebury, they've battled yeah. probably five or six or seven or eight times over the past four years and or three years, and um, they're really tight. They're both physical players. They're both really aggressive and and. Um, you know, they get in each other's ways and there's, there's elbows and hips and shoulders everywhere. And um, so it, it really is sort of a mental battle. Um, you know, refereeing comes into play there because the ball's a lot of times in the middle of the court and, and both women are sort of in each other's way. So uh, Christina has the the uh, the unlucky job of refereeing Lutz in oh. those situations. So that's tricky, yeah. um, you know, and, and so... Um, so Lutza just fought. She, you know, she's one of those players. We've had probably only three or four um, in my time in 11 years where, where she just hates to lose. She just yeah. does not want to lose. Um, it doesn't matter if it's in practice or with a guy or with a teammate or with another another woman from another team. She just does not want to lose. And, um, you know, that's that's what happened. And the same thing with Tufts on Sunday. She, 
you know, she was down. Uh, she she lost a game, and and you know, once she sort of gets get loses a game, or she also got hit in the wrist mm. during the match, I think, and um, you know, so once once something like that happens, a bad call or a little injury or something kind of sets her off, she just gets really angry, <laughs> and uh, you know, the rest is history. She goes on and wins that match. So um, sometimes it's that's that's the best kind of kick in the butt is to you know a little bit of adversity, and and she's the type of kid that sort of relishes in that adversity and, and it's really great. I mean wish we wish selfishly wish we had more more players like that. Well speaking of not losing, I don't think Mabel O'Brien has lost <laughs> uh that's since, since I can remember. I mean a sophomore joined the team kind of midway through this year, ended last year on a big winning streak and just keeps it going, doesn't she? Yeah, Maeve is a rock star. She um she hasn't lost I was looking at this because you you keep posting it <laughs> and they talk about it on the bus uh this streak yeah. and then i say well you only have like 47 more matches to go yeah, until ahmed yeah. you know ahmed streak but um mave has won i think 18 19 times in a row and dating back to the the brown match we had on a sunday or saturday night um late in january of 2018 uh which again was a close match too she she i think she's 23 and 4 over you know the, since right. she started here yeah. Um, playing it, you know, anywhere from three to, to five or six. And um, she, again, just sort of like Lutza, just does not want to lose. Um, she's just really focused when she's on the court. Um, a, just a really incredible competitor um, with a lot of heart and desire. And, um, you know, it's re- she's the type of person that we look for for this program. And um, I know going out at number five, she can win every single time. doesn't matter who we're playing. Um, I think probably we'll have to move her up in the lineup at some point <laughs> because coaches are catching on that she's yeah. just a lock to, to win at five. Um, and she's had some really good results. So um, so we'll see. I think, you know, I look forward to, to watching her play at, at Nationals as well, three more matches and then done for the season. And then Natasha Jones, a first year, big weekend for her too, 4-0 as well. Um, she's had a really nice debut season. Also reminds me of yeah. Katie and Maeve last year. Definitely. Yeah, Natasha came in. Uh, she was ready to play. You know, we, we sort of recruit that way, ready to play when, when you get here. Um, she's had some adversity. She's had some health issues. And, um, you know, so that's given – that's contributed to a little bit of inconsistency in the fall and early in January. Um, but now that she's healthy or, or closer to healthy – um, you know, she's putting it all together on the court. She also really just believes now that she can win. And that's part of the, the mental, you know, the mental toughness of, of squash and, and the, the, the bump up to, to college squash as it relates to, to high school squash. It's just really, you're playing the same people, but everyone's a little bit older and there's more stuff going on. There's more, you know, there's, there's more challenges with college life and, you know, parents are watching and old high school coaches are watching and all that stuff. And, um, and so once they believe that they can win and once they sort of focus on, on what we've worked on in training and, and really focus on themselves and, and getting better, um, you know, they're really capable of doing anything. And Natasha's proven that. So Team Nationals coming up first for the men, uh, then the women after that. Seems like both teams are going to be in the sea flight. Is that fair yep. to say? Yep. 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 Both uh, the men are right in the middle of the sea flight. Mm-hmm. I think we're fifth out of eight teams. Um, I think we're drawing MIT, which, uh, which is a good – Good matchup for us. We lost to them at seven-two a few weeks a few weeks ago in the midweek match down in Boston, and so that that was tricky. Um, you know, and I, I like the way we match up. I don't know exactly what our ladder is going to be yet, um, and I think I don't know what their ladder is going to be. But I don't really, you know, we've talked about a lot with the guys. It really has to do more with us than it does anyone we're playing. I mean, we've we've trained really hard. The guys are such a great group. They're really focused. They work hard. They just really want to win, and. Um, 
you know, they're competitive and they're together. And, and so I really think that they're capable of, of they can win the sea flight if they really put their minds to it. And, you know, the draw uh, matches up nicely for us and we get some some good individual performances. I think that they can win, um, you know, because I think the top seed in that draw is Williams. And um, we played them, it seems like, ages ago. I think it was January 11th or something like that. Um, but we're a better team now, and, and so I, I like our chances. The track and field teams compete at the Valentine Invitational, hosted by Boston University over the weekend. For the first time this season, the women put together a distance medley relay, and the Bobcats shined. Senior captain Sarah Rothman led off the DMR on the 1,200-meter leg, followed by sophomore Amanda Kaufman in the 400, first-year Elise Lambert in the 800, and senior captain Aiden Eikhoff in the 1,600 meters. Bates finished the relay in 11 minutes, 50.86 seconds eighth fastest out of 32 squads from all three NCAA divisions and beyond. It puts this DMR team fourth on Bates' all-time performance list. And we sat down with all four runners. Aiden and Sarah, you know, you two have run the DMR before. A couple years ago, you, you know, got All-American there at Nationals. So this race with, um, as you said off-air, Aiden, two veterans and two rookies, what was that experience like there at, at BU? Each one is certainly different, which makes it really, really fun each time. Um, this one was kind of a whirlwind as we showed up to BU, started warming up, and they actually moved the race 10 minutes earlier, which we could have used those 10 minutes for our warm-up. <laughs> so it was kind of, you couldn't think about it. You just were right on the track. All of a sudden, everyone was walking out there. Um, all the other girls were kind of in the same boat. Um, but it was, it was really exciting. Um, really, really great to see Elise and Amanda really kill it out there awesome and then Sarah you let off right so how's it going when you you know when you lead off a race like that what are you looking to in terms of setting the pace for the team and whatnot I just always want to make sure that I leave my team in a great spot for the um the relay I love relays for that reason just to, like it's such a good team centric um event and like and we did have like two newer um members of it so I want to make sure that they did not feel overwhelmed or anything and I didn't was I wasn't them in an uncomfortable position or at any so I think it went pretty well considering that. Terrific so Amanda you're a sophomore that was your first ever DMR high school college doesn't matter so what was the experience like for you? Yeah so I honestly was extremely flattered when Jay told me I was going to be running the 400 leg just because this is an extremely talented group of girls so I think for me that just made it super exciting and I knew like having two seasoned veterans that it would be smooth sailing for the most part um, and then like Aiden said it definitely was a whirlwind at BU but um, all around very exciting and really really awesome time yeah. At least as a first year, had you ever run a DMR in high school or anything like that? Yeah, I'd done a few before. What was this like maybe compared to your time in high school? Um, it was definitely a lot scarier. Um, I was I felt a little bit more like I had <laughs> a little bit more like counting on me. Um, but I you know I had like great teammates to support me the whole way. Um, I Sarah helped me a lot, just relax beforehand, especially with the warm up situation. I was really nervous. Um, but overall it was a really good experience. And you ran the eight hundred, right? Mm -hmm. Is that something you typically run, whether it be in a relay or, you know, individually? Yeah, so eight hundred and like six hundred are kinda like my main events at this point in the season. And you're the only one we haven't had on the Bobcast before, so I wanted to ask you, being a first year, how do you decide, you know, Bates was a place for you? Um well, I always tell people it was the feel, you know, like you come here and just there's just a unique feeling about it. But um, what really made my decision was when I sat in on a track uh, practice during the fall, like during the preseason. Um, and I did a workout with the girls and I just felt that the team was such like a loving place. Um, and so I knew that I would, you know, feel great here. 
And then Aiden, obviously, you know, this was a fast race. I know a lot of other schools had, had fast times also. So what was that dynamic kind of like? Um, I had really no clue what to expect, and you, and especially with the mile legs, so much of the race has already been decided yeah. by that point. So um, I actually ended up following this pretty speedy Brandeis girl out, and she kind of just led me along. So it was really nice to feel comfortable that if I could just stick with her, I would run a good race. So it was really cool. And then Sarah, I haven't had a chance to look at the, I know it's fourth on the all-time performance list at Bates. Is this the fastest one you've been part of? Um, I think it's like pretty comparable to yeah. what we um, run. It's just always nice to like take each season for what it is and yeah. like see where we are. And like this is like one of the earlier DMRs that I've been on. Like we usually don't compete until like uh, later in February or March, so it's like nice to know that we're in a good spot early on. We can just keep on improving and working hard. Excellent. And then Amanda, you know, you ran the um, 400 for this, so you ran the shortest leg, right? So not quite a sprint, but kind of close to one. Yeah. So pretty much the 400 runners do primarily train with the sprinters. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it is the distance medley relay. So um, that was a little out of my element. But like I said before, these girls are awesome. Such a supporting environment. We're a huge collective team between uh, sprinters and distance runners but definitely was a little weird like the change of uh the 12,000 going into the four but um just made it super fun to be able to go out and be speedy for these girls what's the key to like you know successful you know baton handoff and all that how that <laughs> um honestly maybe just like communication but without talking um and definitely not leaving too soon um that can cause problems but I think for the first time out I think we did a pretty good job there definitely was some bumps but like I said it was the first time out so it's good at least as a first year to get any advice from a couple seniors here um Mostly just to relax. I'm a very like nervous person pre-race, um, so just like it was good encouragement. Yeah. <laughs> Is being relaxed, you know, real crucial? You think? Yeah. I mean, I think at, I think at BU it's really really easy to let the environment kind of get to you, and fortunately we were pretty there there early in the morning but it was still crazy there was lines everywhere you couldn't you couldn't get through the hallways um it certainly was stressful and it's also easy as a first year running with this new team to feel that stress very acutely so i mean we all when we were warming up just saying like it's okay we're just gonna you know get a time in the books and see what happens is this the largest meet in terms of sheer numbers it was definitely like each event had certainly many many heats like I know like in the mile there was like probably like 11 or 17 heats I forget I think there was like 30 yeah or something crazy, crazy. <laughs> but it's like and, like just to not let that get to you though like treat it like it's still like a race and we're all gonna like put our best effort and nice thing with with the relay is like it's not just one person there's four legs that are just as important and if one person's not feeling their best we can definitely help each other out and like pick each other back up. Amanda what was the atmosphere like from your point of view? Yeah so this actually was my first time running at BU ever so that definitely was a little bit of not culture shock culture shock it's not necessarily the right word but it definitely was crazy it was a huge stage a lot different than some of our other meets but I think it just made it that much more exciting and um, just fulfilling to know that all the work that we've been putting in I know the sprinters we start practicing in September so and summer training so that's just like a very long preseason without competing so it's just really nice to see those big times on the big stages and Elisa you know your team here you mentioned you you know trying to be calm and whatnot how the atmosphere did it impact you at all or do you you're just focused um I think 
It definitely has an impact on how you perform. Just like, you know, you go to a crowded venue and there's a lot of energy, there's a lot of people there. And it's exci- It's a little scary, of course, but it's also like really exciting just to like be able to put yourself out there and to like show everybody else like what your D3 school is made of, you know? <laughs> sure. And then um, Aiden, have you talked, you know, with Coach Jay and whatnot about the strategy of the DMR going forward? What meets you'll enter and what you, know, you might not? Um, we have not. I actually will check in with her later in terms of how our 1150 will stand throughout the season. I think historically that time will will qualify, um, although each year is different. So we'll just keep on keeping on. <laughs> Sounds good. Aiden, Sarah, Elise, and Amanda, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's time to play ball. The Bates baseball season gets underway next week in Florida against Augustana College. Last season, the Bobcats made the four-team NESCAC tournament for the second straight year. Head coach John Martin fills us in on this year's squad. Instead of California, going to Florida this year um, for a rather, I know, very big uh, rust mat invitational where there's tons of teams. What prompted kind of this move to go to Florida instead of California? Uh, I think we just were looking for something to, to change up the scenery a little bit. Um, still stay in the sun, still... Enjoy the warm weather. Um, this is a little easier flight, and I think that it'll be a, a good experience for the guys. We play on some nice facilities, and we stay in a, a condominium kind of resort area with a pool complex. And so when we're not on the field, we, we have a little free time. But I think it'll be a, a good change, a little easier travel schedule. We're flying direct from Portland, which you can't really beat that. So. I think it's um, it's just something that we're going to try out, and, and we'll reevaluate once the, the trip is finished. Four games with Augustana, one game for Capital. How do you kind of determine how you're going to you know set up the schedule, kind of? Well, we were limited, obviously, with, with how many teams were available to play. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I think Bates hasn't gone to Florida in, much in the past. Mm-hmm. And there's more just more options in California with um, you know there's ten different colleges and universities out there to play. So. We're looking to go to Florida, play a four-game set with Augustana, who's a very good team um, from the Midwest. They're from Illinois. Um, they were close to 30 wins last year. I think they were like 27 wins last year. They're going to be a strong, uh, competitive team with some depth. And then Capital, I know nothing about. I just know that they're coming in that weekend. They're looking to play games. They're a Division three team from the OAC in Ohio, which is a good baseball conference. And uh, we'll... we'll get a good idea of what they can do but it, you know these are all games that we're all kind of in the same boat being that we're, we're getting outside for the first time so I think that there'll be some mistakes there'll be some good things to take from it uh, but it should be good baseball and I know that all the guys on the field will be excited to play. All right well let's start with pitching staff perhaps you know, obviously Nolan Collins the sort of the headliner based on his performance in NESCAC play last year coming back who are some what, what do you expect to see from him this year and who are some other guys you expect to see compete for maybe for a rotation spot? Yeah, Nolan is is a, a strong returner, obviously. He had a good summer this past summer in the Futures League. He pitched for Brockton Rocks and did well. So I look for him to, to get a bulk of innings this year. Um, strong workhorse, um, good fastball, definitely competes, likes to, to pitch in the bright lights. So I, I look for Nolan to, to kind of uh, hopefully steer the ship a little bit. Um, other guys, Justin Foley's returning. Um, got a good amount of innings for us last year. I think he's pretty versatile in what his role can be. I think he can, can start. I think he can be long relief. I think he could give us a three outs just to connect to the next guy if we need him to. Um, so he's, he's obviously one that I would look for to get some innings. Brendan Smith is another one, a senior right-hander. Um, can start, can probably come in relief, can do a lot of different things. 
these these three guys that I've just mentioned, I, I plan on getting a start um, early on in the season to, to get a look at, at what they're capable of doing. Um, Alex Simon, obviously, um, kind of a staple bullpen guy from last year. Uh, workhorse, loves to pitch in the bright lights again. Um, has a has a good arsenal of pitches and, and throws a lot of strikes and just a tough competitor. So I see him getting some innings this year. Miles Machad is another one that um, big, hard-throwing right-hander. I look for him to come out of the pen. Um, and, and a couple of young guys that we've got. Um, Ian Tolis is a, a freshman who's thrown the ball well. Um, he had a very good high school career. We're looking for him to kind of come in and, and, and maybe get some innings. And um, two other guys are Jared Pantalone, who's a left-hander, and Grant Uliano, who's a, a big, tall, lanky right-hander that um, I look for them to come in and, and, and hopefully get some innings early on in their career. Yeah, you touched on some of the younger guys, you know, the first-year guys coming in who might make an immediate impact. What do you tell those guys about the biggest difference they might notice right away, college, Division three, NASCAG versus what they compete against in high school? Yeah, I think that um, probably, you know, some of the biggest differences, you're going to face guys that, that are just older, they're more seasoned, they're just better all-around baseball players. They've been playing a longer time um, and have more experience at a higher level. So they're tougher to get out. You're going to face hitters that, that – can, can take to get to two strikes and still hit in that situation where in high school maybe you don't see that as much. In high school as well, you can blow fastballs by most of the hitters there in the lineup where you just can't do that in college. The hitters are better, they're stronger, they're more physical, um, so they're going to catch up to those kind of things. But as, on the flip side of that, for hitters, I'd say you need to look for pitchers that are going to locate more than one pitch for strikes consistently. They're going to change speeds better. Um, and they're gonna they're just gonna locate their pitches better. They're gonna stay down in the zone more. So everything is just enhanced to another level from from what you see in high school. Awesome. And moving from pitching to position players, we'll start with the catcher spot. Obviously, that's Jack Arend. I mean, first team all NESCAC last year. Uh, what do you expect to see from him and his development now, moving into I believe his junior season? Yeah, Jack's a junior, uh, junior captain. Uh, Alex Simon is our other right. captain this year, but Jack is. Um, I mean, he's a leader on the field, and, and he's a general on the field. He plays really hard. Uh, he's, he's locked in. He calls a great game. He's a good defensive player. He just brings a good energy every day when he shows up. And, and obviously, last year he had a good year. I mean, he was a first-team all-NESCAC catcher and, and deserving of that. So it was, it was pretty obvious that he was going to be one of our captains this year. And I look for him to, to anchor this team. I mean, not just our pitching staff, but I look for him to, to come in and anchor the team and lead the team. Um, to, to our success this year, which I know he'll do. Well, another thing he does, he works the count and gets on base a lot. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah. He does. He works the count, draws a lot of walks, um, but he's tough to get out of the plate. I mean, he just he just kind of battles and does whatever he takes to get on base. All right, so who are some of the guys competing for spots to start in the infield, or is it uh, almost fairly set with a lot of guys returning, it seems like? Yeah, I think in the infield, you know, we were, we were just kind of looking up some things, preparing for next week, and, and uh, we had a good fielding percentage last year. I mean, we were – Top uh, top four in the region, so I think that we can um, we can definitely go for number one and have our the yeah. best fielding percentage in the league. Which you know, good fielding percentage. If you're going to catch the ball in the infield, you got a good chance to stay in games and have a chance to win. So um, Kyle Carter, shortstop, um, good defensive player, can definitely play shortstop as well as anybody in in the conference or in the region. Um, Giovanni Torres, another one, good infielder, versatile. Can play third, short, second. Can do a lot of different things. Dan Truly, um, 
we're looking for. Nan's a, a, a good hitter, offensive player, but we're looking for him to play on the corners as well and have his bat. Um, a couple newcomers, um, Andrew Chi is a, a freshman middle infielder, good little player, scrappy, tough at the plate, uh, can make the plays up the middle. And uh, Antonio Gerano is another one who's kind of a utility guy from down in Georgia. And he can pitch a little bit and play some different spots in the, in the field. So we've got, we've got some combinations. There could be a lot of moving parts in our defensive scheme this year, but we'll see, uh, we'll see how it shakes out. It always does. Yeah, well, you mentioned you know Durano, a guy who can pitch and play the field. I know you know Jake Shapiro did some of that. Uh, maybe even before you were here, Sam Warren did a lot of that for Bates. How do you determine that with a guy coming in if they want to focus on one thing or still try to do both? Well, it, uh, honestly, it's funny to say this, but it always comes down to hitting. Mm. If you're a pitcher and you can hit, then we may have a possibility where you could possibly play somewhere in the field. If you're a pitcher and you can't hit, well you're probably just going to be a pitcher. That's yeah. normally how it shakes out. So Antonio is a tough at bat. Uh, he grinds at the plate. He's got some pop in his bat. He's got a good swing. He can definitely hit, and he can come out of the bullpen for us and pitch some innings too. Awesome. Now moving to the outfield, I know you got a transfer coming in from Miami of Ohio, and who are some other guys you expect to see out there in the outfield this year? Right, so Christian Beal is a transfer from Miami of Ohio. Uh, speedy outfielder with some pop in his bat. Good player, plays aggressive, plays tough. We're excited for what he's he's going to be able to bring to the table this year. Um, Johnny Lindgren is another one that's returning. Um, obviously a football player as well. Uh, brings good energy, can run it down the outfield. Uh, we're excited to see what he can do. Will Sylvia is returning, who is, has been kind of in the outfield as a staple guy for the last couple years. Uh, but we've got some newcomers too. Gerano can play in the outfield, as I mentioned earlier. Um, Kevin Lucy is another one um, that... that I could see him competing for some time and, and, uh, and pushing some guys. Um, we've also got, let's see here, we've got um, Leo Watson who can catch and play a little bit in the outfield. You know, we're hopefully expecting him to, to come in and, and set the tone for us this year. And um, Pat Beaton is another one who um, played in, in a handful of games last year and did a good job. So we're hopefully going to get those guys in the game early on and, and get an idea of what they're going to bring to the table this year. And you got DH pretty well set after last season, don't you, with White? Justin White is definitely uh, capable of, of sitting in that spot and producing. Um, it was pretty awesome to see what he did last year to come on strong when we needed him to and, and help us make a playoff push at the end of the season. Uh, but he can catch also, and, uh, you know, he's just come a long way, and, and I expect him to uh, – to, to settle in and, and produce for us offensively, for sure. He's a great story, isn't he? Because, like, he really wasn't on the team <laughs> for the yeah. first couple of years, and then all of a sudden last year, second half of the season, he just got red hot. Yeah, you know what? And and, and he was patient with it, and, and he gave us a chance to, to shake some things out. He showed up every day and worked hard, kept a good attitude, um, you know, asked for extra work if he could get it. He did, he did what we needed him to do. And then when we finally gave him his chance, he produced. And that's really what it's about. You know, you get a chance, you get an opportunity, capitalize on it, and do the best you can. And, and Whitey was able to do that. So it was really good to see him, that, that he was patient enough. But once he got his opportunity, he capitalized on it. And so I look for him to do that, and for any of our players, that when they get that opportunity to come out and, and give us your best effort, your best energy, and let's see what we can do.
I know in the middle of that order also, obviously, you mentioned Truly before, a guy who's shown some pop during his time here. And you're you're pretty excited about his potential for a real breakout campaign this season, aren't you? Yeah, he's got the ability. He's a, a big, strong, physical guy, has really worked hard in the weight room, um, fun guy to be around. He's, he's just really put in the effort this offseason. So I, I really hope that he has a great senior year, uh, as I know he will. And I, I think that he's a, he's a good offensive player. He's a leader. He's just a good guy to have around, and I, I really hope that he has a great senior year for us to send him out on. Excellent. Any other thoughts on this year's team and what you're most excited maybe to find out about what they can you know, bring to the table going forward, whether it be in Florida or, or after that leading into NESCAC play? Well, I think that we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be competitive. Um, we're going to play loose. We're not going to be uptight. Um, I think that we're going to show up every day, no matter who our competitor is or who's on the other side of the field. And, and we're going to expect to win. I mean, these guys expect to win. And for me, you know, I need to manage the game correctly and make sure that I push the right buttons when they need to be pushed. But I think that um, our guys are going to be locked in. And I think we've got a good team atmosphere. Um, we're a fun group to be around. We're loose. We, we, we like music when it's during BP time. And, and we pull some pranks here and there in the dugout and that sort of thing. And um, these guys have really just kind of gelled together. So I, I think we're going to have a lot of fun um, and also have a lot of success. All right, John Martin, thanks so much. All right, thanks a lot. The skiing teams competed at the Dartmouth Carnival over the weekend, but the Alpine team had its giant slalom race postponed until this Sunday. We'll recap how they do there and at this weekend's Middlebury Carnival next time on the Bates Bobcast. We'll recap team nationals for men's squash and the NESCAC championships for women's swimming. Plus, we'll continue our spring sports previews by taking a look at the lacrosse teams. All that and more next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates! Bates!